I want to go on record. The Father, the Father in the Godhead, the Father is nothing but spirit. He is all spirit. There is no flesh with the Father. The Son is spirit and flesh. That's why the scripture says the spirit was given to him without measure. measure. Right. Because the spirit that runs through Jesus Christ is the Father. There is only one spirit in the Godhead. There ain't three of them. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God that functions within human beings, draws human beings, overshadows human beings, and operates in human beings. And that is why the spirit overshadowed Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed I'm just plain old happy that you've taken the time to join us today. Uh, listen, the voice that you heard at the beginning of today's broadcast was Bishop Noel Jones, and this is part two of a special series um, dealing with uh, his recent statements about Trinitarianism. Is he uh, Trini- uh, Trinitarian now? Does he believe in the uh, personages of uh, the eternal personages of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or is he still a oneness Pentecostal, where there's much debate uh, and speculation about that? But when uh, part one, we undertook to open up the uh, particular series and look at just a few things that Bishop Jones said in a recent radio interview on AM. Uh, 1000 and uh, we are taking a look we're in the middle of that and that was his first statement that he went on record to say how he described uh, the Lord and uh, we talked about how his description was inadequate how Bishop Jones described uh, the difference between the Godhead is based on functionality really what he did was just repackage modalism or oneness theology to try to make it a little bit more palatable to those of us who believe in Trinitarianism that God the Father is eternal God the Son is eternal and God the Holy Ghost is eternal and last broadcast we laid out a solid scriptural case looking at the eternal eternality of both the Father and the Son 
contained in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was a with, and there was a was uh, that was there. In fact, we see in verse 2 of John, chapter 1, that um, Jesus was the creative architect. The, the the Bible says the same was in the beginning with God, or verse 3, excuse me. And it says, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Uh, so we see the even the creative force ascribed, or the creation itself ascribed uh, to Jesus, the word uh, of God. We see that word also. Uh, walking as a voice of the Lord described in the book of Genesis in the garden. Uh, we see that the spirit of the Lord hovered in Genesis 1 and 2 upon the face of the deep. So we see God in his fullness uh, all throughout scripture when he even declares, let us make man in our own image. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on. But nevertheless, um, we left off talking about uh, the the Holy Ghost himself. Now, how Bishop uh, uh, describes the Holy Ghost is a classic oneness description. He uh, says that the Holy Ghost is the spirit of God that moves upon the individuals, the individual believer or the individuals in the church. Remember the uh, oneness um, uh, uh, theme song, if you will, that God is uh, the father in creation. He is the son in redemption and he is the Holy Ghost in the church. Now, the oneness Pentecostal at least has enough nerve to say that um, that all three of those modes are Jesus. That's what they say, that Jesus is the father. Jesus is the son and Jesus is the Holy Ghost. And what we'll find in this particular series is that Bishop Noel Jones, um, even though endeavoring to use language that's Trinitarian, uh, ends up saying the exact same thing. Last week, we were looking at the personality. What makes personality? Will, intellect. We saw that Jesus has a will in John 4 and 34. He said, my will or my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We know the father sent Jesus. The father in, in that particular statement, Jesus reveals that he has a will and that the father has a will. Look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, the Lord said, uh, uh, nevertheless, as he was praying, he said, let this bitter cup pass from me. But as he was praying, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He subjected his will to the will of of the father. Uh, these uh, are the identifications of personhood. Uh, also, we see the spirit of the Lord that has our will. We see that outlined in Romans chapter eight, verses 26 uh, and 27. Uh, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. Uh, we see that the uh, the Holy Ghost is intellect. Sometimes we talk about the Holy Ghost. We say it. Well, and, and I have a habit of that, too. But that's a habit that we can practice and work on and get out of because the Holy Ghost is a he. He is himself. He is he. He is God and he is eternal. And Ananias and Sapphira found that out in Acts chapter five. When Peter says in verse three of Acts chapter five that they had undertaken to lie to the Holy Ghost. We also see that the Holy Ghost can be grieved in Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. Um, uh, it says, grieve not the Holy 
spirit. Now, a, you know, a revelatory expression or whatever a mode uh, cannot be lied to, cannot be grieved. Uh, these are just aspects. But um, uh, we see that a, a person, a real somebody can be lied to and uh, uh, understands these particular things. So what Bishop Jones does uh, uh, by going on record is basically affirm that he has repackaged modalism. Remember, under the modalistic construct, Jesus is the father in the creation. He's the son in redemption and the Holy Ghost within the church. What he emphasizes without mentioning the name, which he will reveal later, is that based on the functions of the Godhead, listen, his distinction is based on functionality, that none of the Godhead are the same. The Father is not. He, you know, he will distinctly say, you ask him, is, is the Father Jesus? He'll say no. Is the Holy Ghost Jesus? He'll say no because of the functions. So he says no because neither the Father, the Son, nor the Holy Ghost have the exact same function. Now, this is a very uh, in, important uh, argument and understanding because this is how uh, this confusion gets in. It is just that rank and utter confusion. And it's an effort to manage the impact of modalism uh, as it is taught among the saints. Well, some people say, well, well what is what is this about? You know, why, why is this so important? Well, it's important uh, from the sake of really understanding and accepting what God says. If you cannot accept how God has laid down his description of himself or revealed himself within scripture, uh, if you cannot accept it, you have to take that and twist it and turn it. Then what else are you twisting and turning? What else are you changing just because you cannot fully understand it? Just because you cannot put a rhyme nor a reason to it, now you have to change it. Well, God is uh, infinitely greater than us, and we all acquiesce to that fact. He's infinitely greater than our finite minds. Then there is no need, if we already know that, there is no need to change what he says or repackage what he says to make it fit our understanding or definition. God is not like an egg. He doesn't have a shell, doesn't have a white part and a yolk. Uh, and, and all of that, uh, you know, we teach a lot of things about tripartism and duality and all of these type of things. And those are other other shows. But nevertheless, uh, God is not like that, even though he is similar to that. It's, that's not an accurate and an apropos description of who God is. And we cannot take a a, a finite definition and try to make that apply to an infinite God. As I said uh, in the first program, these things can only be apprehended. So changing terminology is essential to understanding where Bishop Jones is coming from because he is constantly and consistently changing terminology. He's more comfortable with the term revelatory expression rather than, you know, siding with the traditional apostolics and saying that this is a a a manifestation or rather than siding with the traditional trinitarian saying that this is a person that Jesus is a person the father is a person the holy ghost is a person he says that the father is a revelatory expression that the son is a revelatory expression and uh, that the holy ghost is a relevant revelatory expression basically what he reduces it to 
is again the modes of God. He's saying that this is a modalistic type thing, but you'll hear that for yourself. Listen to this uh, as Bishop Jones explains this revelatory expression. One God, three revelatory expressions. He reveals himself as Father, reveals himself as Son, reveals himself as Holy Spirit. Even though they all are one, they have three distinct functions that separate them in the Godhead and allows God to perform the task of salvation. The Father thought it, the Son executed it, and the Holy Spirit brings it. All right. That uh, specifies itself. Notice the thought. The formula is that one God revealed himself with three distinct functions, according to Bishop Jones. The Father thought it, the Son executed it, and the Holy Spirit brings it. Once again, this is a description of modalism repackaged. It's softened, but yet it is modalism. Remember, the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Holy Spirit in the church. But you may say, well, he said that neither the Father nor the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So, preacher, you're wrong. Oh, I wish that you were right. I wish that it was simply that easy. However, uh, when we examine it, it comes out that as he begins to expound and reconcile baptism, he really even reveals more of his hand. Just in case you didn't believe me, listen to how Bishop Jones also reconciles uh, Matthew 28 and verse 19 and Acts 2 and 3. This is revealing. Jesus is the Son of God, but the name that is common to all three is the name Jesus, because that's what Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, and that's what the Scripture says. But Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, Thank and you. Jesus is not the Father. Okay, now, did you hear that? Um, Bishop said that Jesus' name, the name of Jesus, is common to all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, if this were all he said during the interview, we could probably pack up and go home because he concludes that, you know, the Father is not Jesus, the Son is not Jesus, and the Holy Ghost is not Jesus, if that was all he said. But he confuses, he obfuscates, and he puts in there that Jesus's name is common to all three. Now, this is a problem. But remember, he says uh, he's already introduced a problem of modalism with his revelatory expressions. And he's repackaging modalistic teaching. Now he's just murking up everything. And this even goes further as he progresses in the argument and uh, he's talking uh, about God having a separate function than Jesus, having a separate function than the Holy Ghost. But yet and still they share a common name. Now, this common name understanding is very significant because what is the common name that he references of course the common name is Jesus so here is Bishop Jones talking about receiving uh, uh, the understanding of the Father the Son the Holy Ghost but 
also encouraging that they share a common name. Okay, that's revealing by itself. I've got a couple of more clips for you, but the next one is going to build even on this concept because he's talking about people coming in to be baptized in the church. And he proudly touts the fact that um, he has quite a few Church of God in Christ members that uh, are former members that attend his church. And uh, he has a certain routine or certain understanding that he wants to deliver to them when it comes to baptism. And uh, they should understand if they want their baptism to be authentic, they should understand that no matter how they got baptized, whether it was in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Ghost, or whoever's name, that it was really all and should be subject to the formula using the name of Jesus. Here, bear with me. Just listen to this. There is no question in my mind that Jesus is the humanity that leads us into the divinity. No man can come except the Father draw, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no question about that. The issue now is, how do I feel about somebody who walks in my church who's baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? And do I feel as if they have lost their soul if we do not say the name Jesus? My position is, if you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and you can come to the point that that name is Jesus, then what's the problem? Okay. Now, here is Bishop Jones. He says, a member comes to the church, is baptized in another formula. Should he rebaptize them? Well, not necessarily, according to him, just as long as they know that the whatever baptismal formula that they were baptized in was actually under the name of Jesus that that covered the father that covered the son and that Holy Ghost. They should understand that the name of Jesus, the name of the father, the name of the son, the name of the Holy Ghost is covered or superseded uh, or personified in Jesus himself. This is classic, classic apostolic teaching. I don't know how, uh, he gets around understanding that and deceives um, some individuals into believing that it's not. But uh, according to Jones, uh, just simply call the Father Jesus, call the Son Jesus, call the Holy Ghost Jesus, uh, even though um, from his teaching, you really know, and from what he has already said in this very confusing and convoluted interview, that uh, the Father is not Jesus and the Holy Ghost is not Jesus. They just have a common name. Remember, he said that they share the common name. And and those of us with any critical or rational thinking skills have just got to sit back and say, what the heck is that? What are you talking about, Bishop? You know, normally it's just a lie when you ascribe something to someone or something that, you know, is is not. It's either a lie or, uh, you know, it's certainly not to be encouraged. Normally, you don't get the attention of anybody that you're calling by calling them, you know, the wrong name. If you're uh, walking down the street with uh, Betty or Stanley um, and you call them uh, uh, Jim Bob and 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 Sue Bell, normally you're not going to get their attention. (laughs) Um, So how can Bishop Jones uh, really rationalize 
calling the Holy Ghost Jesus if he doesn't believe it's Jesus, doesn't believe he is Jesus, or calling God Jesus, the Father Jesus, if he doesn't believe that God the Father is Jesus. So there is all kinds of problems with this. So what is Jones doing? He's utterly confusing layers upon layers uh, of the argument, saying that Jesus is not the Father nor the Holy Ghost, uh, and uh, but not only uh, that their names that not only that they are uh, God, but their names uh, can be ascribed to being Jesus somehow in some way. It's just very, very confusing and convoluted. And I believe it's done for a reason. If you read the blog, you see that I believe the reason is marketing, marketing and sales, uh, reaching a wider tar- target audience and being able to seduce the minds of you. Many uh, who listen to this broadcast and just love Noel Jones. I'm not saying to just throw the ministry out uh, like a baby with the bathwater. But listen, you've got to understand uh, what you're listening to, especially when you get on uh, onto subjects uh, like this. Uh, in order to successfully make the argument, he has to address and affirm the scriptural doctrine of non-contradiction of scripture. In other words, the scripture cannot contradict itself. This is why he must reconcile Matthew twenty-eight nineteen with Acts chapter two and um, uh, twenty-three, or two and thirty-eight. I'm sorry, I've called that wrong uh, two times. At Acts two and thirty-eight, he's trying desperately to reconcile Matthew two, tw- Matthew twenty-eight and nineteen with Acts 2 and 38. So he has to create a bridge and he does this by claiming that what Jesus taught the disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 28, 19 was carried out by them. Uh, in, in other words, it was an implicit teaching that was carried out explicitly by them in Acts 2, 38. I want you to listen to this real quick as he explains it. If I look at Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and I look at Acts two thirty-eight, if I look at Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where he declares being baptized in the name singular of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, now that name could not be Harold. It could not be Noel. It couldn't be Daryl. That name could only be Jesus, which means in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, the name of Jesus is implicit. It is implied. In, math, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the name is not implied, it's explicated. Now, my word to anybody who would call me a heretic is, if something is implicit and something is explicit, it can't be contradictory. Now, somebody call in and argue with me. Okay. Now, here we have a crossover that would just break Allen Iverson's ankles. We have a crossover here that the bridge is being made from the uh, Acts 28, 19 to Acts 2 and 38, saying that the teaching was implicit, that Jesus said, go ye therefore into all nations, uh, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the Holy ghost. And he's coming back to Peter's declaration, uh, repent and acts two thirty eight. repent and be baptized for the remission of sins saying that the only reason that Peter taught that was because, uh, Jesus explained, uh, that process to them in Matthew 28 and, uh, 19. Um, 
<laughs> but the problem is, is that nowhere in the Bible does the Bible teach a baptismal formula. Oh, my God. This is one of the greatest misunderstandings when it comes to uh, the baptismal regeneration crowd and teaching. And I'll try to go through this as quickly as I can. We've only got a few minutes left uh, in this broadcast. But there is no baptismal formula outlined in Scripture. You know why? Because the expression in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost was an expression that Jesus used to indicate the power and the authority of heaven. He also indicated by using the three witnesses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the power of witness which no word of God is established without a witness. Heaven is the witness that the Lord has empowered. This is the expression. Heaven is a witness that the Lord has empowered this group, you people, you who believe in me to go out and do these things. One, God was the greatest and is the greatest witness and cannot lie. Just as he did not lie to Abraham, just as he has not lied throughout all eternity. He made a promise to Abraham and kept that uh, to Abraham. He cannot lie. And so he's laying down the power of a witness. That is one immutable thing that God cannot lie. Only God has the authority of heaven. When you're talking about the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you're talking about the heavenly council. You're talking about all that is. All that was and all that will ever be God himself. This is the one that is speaking in language similar to the language in Genesis 1:26, when the Lord said, let us make man in our own image. This is high language. This is beatific language uh, that the Lord is saying he, when he says uh, in the name of the father and of the son and the Holy Ghost, of all that heaven is. Jesus spoke of an authoritative declaration exhibiting his power, not creating a formula to use in a ceremony. Second thing is, is that the apostles had been given all the authority of God to make disciples and converts remitting the sins of all men. Jesus said that he had all power, didn't he? Jesus was announcing that his authority did not derive from the earth. This is what this phrase in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is the meaning of it. It's not a formula for you to lay hands on people, put them down under the water and say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You can do that, but that's not what he's saying. There's much more than that contained. The name of Jesus is not a formula for you to use. In the name of Jesus, I'm baptizing you. You can do that, but that is not the full impetus of Scripture. Like I said, Jesus was announcing his authority. His authority didn't derive from the earth. It didn't come from men, but it came from God himself. He said all power, Matthew 28, 18, just the verse before that, all power is given to Jesus. Listen, he had it while he was here on earth, but he shaded it through the veil of flesh. But now that power was revealed in his fullness, the fullness of heaven back the disciples. So when they went out, they didn't go out in a half hearted name. They went out in the full authority of God himself, the most important job and duty commissioned on this earth. And that's why, my God, uh, these preachers, these charlatans uh, are doing what they're doing to try to disgrace the ministry, to bring the ministry down to nothing. The ministry is a high calling. 
you're out there on the internet uh, calling people out of their names cussing folks out sending me messages uh, 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 cussing in your emails and carrying on you are nothing but a charlatan you need to be saved you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost repent of your sins <laughs> and get saved from the beginning listen I'm, I'm blowing uh, my time away here uh, on that let me get back to uh, to this listen the, the talking about the full elements of heaven these elements envelop the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. This was a declaration of the power from which the disciples would walk in. The apostles would walk in the power from heaven, the assurance that God would be with them, that God would prepare what needed to be done, that God would make a way when there was no way. What does Jones do? He follows in the same line as many traditionalists before him. He tries to say that Acts is talking about a baptismal formula when that's not what Acts was talking about, a baptismal formula. They were doing this in the authority of Jesus, not in the formula of Jesus. <laughs> and, and Matthew twenty-eight nineteen 19 uh, only reemphasizes that authority, saying that all power, all heaven. In other words, his case is built upon a faulty premise to begin with. Now, in most apostolic circles, the nature of God and the baptism are inseparably tied together. The work on the cross is not a completed work. It needs baptism to be added to it. it needs you to get in a pool before you're really saved and set free and delivered. You have to do that, believe in Jesus, and do something else. And as soon as you do that, you've added something to the sufficient grace, to the telestai, that to the debt that is fully paid on the cross. And you have crossed the line, and you've entered into apostasy. The work of the cross, the work of Christ on the cross is complete. And Bishop Jones follows in the line of modalism. Bishop Jones has not believed in Trinitarianism. His testimony is evidenced by his other testimony that offsets his own words. He is revealed. My thoughts on the subject are simply this. If you're going to teach and believe in apostolic doctrine, do so. Go all the way. Don't be disingenuous to the apostolic believer and their method by covering up with certain other terminologies and dressing it up in new clothes. Uh, to do so breathes out usury. You're trying to use the people of God. If one believes in the Trinity, don't accept this man's exposition of the nature of God. Bishop Jones is a preacher in his own right. But as it pertains to the nature of God, he yet continues to teach false doctrine and modalism and ultimately a false gospel. You heard it from me. How, how, how does he do this? According to his construct and revelatory expression was born of a virgin, hung on a cross and died. Better said, a manifestation of God did this. It wasn't a person with a distinct will, mind, intellect, and one who could make up his own mind uh, to accept the bitter cup and to do the will of God. This is another gospel of scripture, and the scripture is clear as it pertains to another gospel. Anyone who has received another gospel, except for that you've received, let him be accursed. Jesus was not an expression of God. He was God. He was man. God was in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. An expression has no blood to shed. Jesus did. For all of you loved Bishop Jones. Uh, but the scripture has said that if any man preaches anything else, let him be accursed. God bless you, my friend. Until next time, 
This is Pastor Harvey. I know you know the every way we make it. We make it.